0: What's it like being married to a surgeon?
1: Oh Lord. I have to say it is pleasantly different. Okay, now for the
0: sake of the video, like why are you putting up these pillows? Because you never put up these pillows. First of all, answer the question. But I What's it like being married to a surgeon?
1: Anyway, right now it's really annoying. Now, personality-wise, call me, because these surgeons out here, they just be, (laughs) let me tell you, okay. The personality doesn't change just because the scheduling changes. Talking so like, about, oh, I could do everything. I could treat everything. I don't know why orthopedics don't want to change, but don't want to replace I, their potassium. I, can you deliver a baby? But If can, we can, need
0: to, we can,
1: yes. Well, if anybody needs to, they can. The cab drivers deliver a baby, me. I can do Uber. When did also. you? When? Okay, you know what? I'm not talking to you anymore. Is this over?
0: <laughs> Folks, your exciting new medical career, it's just been hit with a serious illness or injury that stops you from earning a paycheck just when you need it most. Check out what Jamie Fleischner of Set for Life Insurance said back on episode 176 about having disability insurance early in your career.
2: The real reason to get it early on is really twofold. One is to protect your insurability. So if you are healthy and you can obtain the coverage, you also pre-approve yourself to be able to buy more in the future. So down the road, as your income does increase, You don't have to answer additional medical questions. All you have to do is show that your income is increased and you can buy more benefits at that time. No medical questions asked.
0: Protect your income. Secure your future. Check out setforlifeinsurance.com. All right, guys. So we are going to talk with Dr. Renee, our OB doc specialist. Hey, Dr. Renee. How you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Host
1: of Docs Outside the Box. How you doing? Co-host, host, uh, guest host. Which am I today?
0: Uh, I think you are the host. I'm the host of Docs Outside the Box, so I'm and you the are only definitely host. in charge of this video right now. Uh-huh. And I'm here. You're here.
1: Do you feel in charge?
0: Do you feel in charge? Because we got some questions. That people want to know about your life as an OB doc. How long you been
1: practicing now? Uh, well, if you count from residency, then almost twenty years. Um, if you count from residency, almost fifteen years.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Okay. How, do people count from residency?
0: No, you're not supposed to count from residency. I think you're supposed to count from when you finish residency, how many years you've been practicing on your own.
1: Well, then almost 15 years. But, I mean, come on. Like, if you deliver babies from the time you graduate from medical school, I think that should count. But whatever. Okay, almost 15 years. Well, let's leave it
0: to you like this. Let's get straight to the point because I think people want to know. So you definitely, how you envision being an OB doc and how you practice has definitely changed from where you were at, when you were in residency, to where you are now—what over ten years now, mm-hmm. but twelve years, twelve years out on your own—is that safe to say?
1: Fourteen years out. Thank you. You're an old head. Okay, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, i mean—it's definitely different. Um, first of all, I didn't even think I would be OB when I, you know, first started medical school. So even from there is like a crazy, drastic difference. Um, but certainly when I graduated from residency, I had already known that my, I knew that my practice wouldn't necessarily be the way that I think most traditional OBs practice. I just didn't, I I didn't know quite how it was going to look. So, um, but yeah, I would say I've been through the traditional OB path, um, doing full scope OB, you know, delivering babies on call, doing um, seeing patients in the office, um, doing surgery. I've done all of that, but I can definitely say living the Logan's life has definitely been the key to at least my way of avoiding burnout. Okay.
0: All right. So I got a question for you. Why did you spend over 10 years in training, right? So we're talking med school, residency, And you spent close to
1: eight years in training
0: and you spent close to $250,000 in paying for college or excuse me, paying for college as well as medical school Mm -hmm. and the interest that occurred after that.
1: $330,000, you mean?
0: Well, (laughs) when you graduated, it was $242,000 of debt. (laughs) Right. But on the show multiple times, you've talked about how you spend your time mainly with the kids Mm-hmm. at home and you mm-hmm. you work about a weekend a month. Yeah. So why spend all of those years to train? Why spend all of that money to train and then spend most of your time at home? Answer that, please.
1: Well, if I didn't spend all that time training, I wouldn't even be able to work that one weekend per month to go in and deliver babies, right? So for me, you know, I look at it as I look at it as a very, um, probably very differently from a lot of people. I think I've told a story on the podcast before where um, I had someone say to me, well, I didn't spend all this time in medical school so I could be a stay-at-home mom and be at home all day. And for me, I felt like, well, I didn't become a mother so I could spend my entire, you know, all day long, every day in the hospital either. I mean, I'd like to see my kids. Right. So we could I mean, we could always ask that question a different way. Um, So for me, it's not a question of, you know, it's not a question of why I spent that much money and now I stay at home. It's a question of how do I balance or find as close as I can to balance um, in my life. And that's how I find it. You know, I have a lot of things that bring me joy. You know, delivering babies brings me lots of joy. But also being home with my babies brings me lots and lots of joy. And I got to say, with the way that I work, even doing one weekend a month, I mean, the investment, <laughs> let me tell you, when you do locums, that investment right there that you made to go into medical school and accrue all of that debt, you could, you literally could do something um, with the amount of money that you're going to make in locums. So for me, I'm like... I don't I don't really feel like I'm losing anything. I actually think I'm working more efficiently than I used to when I was working um as a full-time OB.
0: Mm, interesting. So, I'm
1: and I'm making more money this way. So, so you make So the question is, why people working full-time OB when you could be making as much money as me working one week in a month? <laughs> mm,
0: okay. Okay. And then how far do you how far, when you go and work, how far are you? Is this an in-town type no. of hospital or are you flying? Or are you driving? No, I'm not
1: flying. These days I'm not flying anyway. Um, no, I drive about an hour and a half away. So it's nice and close. Um, it's close enough for me to be able to, you know, get my kids ready for school that day and then leave um, on the Friday and then, you know, work for the weekend Leave them in the hands of my able-bodied husband, <laughs> who will feed them all kinds of crap for the weekend. Uh, but then I'm back by the time they get home from school. Calories on are calories. Monday. Calories are <laughs> calories, yeah. Tell that to my good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then I'm, you know, I'm, back. I'm back in time on Monday um, so that they're home from school. Um, and um, we can just start all over again until the next month.
0: Now, what about board certification? You've been able to maintain board certification. How have you been able to do that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, because I have enough experience and enough numbers, right, with the way that I work. So that's not, that's never been an issue, actually. So in the way that my board certification works, um, they actually take into consideration that you could be an OB hospitalist. So they ask, you know, they ask certain questions. As long as I can meet the criteria.
0: Is this sustainable?
1: Then... As long as I can meet the criteria, then I'm good. So, all right, let's switch. Let's
0: pivot a little bit. What was the hardest part of getting into medical school?
1: Ugh. What was the hardest part about getting into medical school? Honestly, the hardest part about getting into medical school. Oh, real quick, you know what's
0: interesting is this is the suitcase that you use when you go on locums. So, you're leaving leaving tomorrow. tomorrow.
1: Yes. Okay, go ahead. I'm leaving tomorrow. Yes. So, that's on the floor right next to me. Um, for those of you who are listening on the audio podcast, I am out of breath because I'm literally fixing a bed and I just put our comforter inside the duvet cover, which I ain't even know nothing about a duvet cover until I don't even know when. They yeah, don't do that in Brooklyn? But anyway, I, mean, I ain't sophisticated like Answer that. Answer the question, please. Um, so the hardest part about getting into medical school was actually finishing college for me. <laughs> like... That really was the hardest part about getting into medical school. I'm not going to let school. you off the hook on that one. I'm going to tell you why. And the reason is because the class, first of all, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I, well, no, I know about a lot of people because of the work that I do with pre-meds, but a lot of the information that you're supposed to know to get into medical school like that pre-college, or excuse me, that pre-med information, a lot of people don't know. And I didn't know. So I started as a chemistry major um, in college because I enjoyed chemistry. That wasn't sustainable. Look at that duvet fell. Mm. Um, (laughs) Listen to your husband. (laughs) The one time you were right, broken clock. Um, So you got one more time to be right. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Yeah, I was a chemistry major because I enjoyed chemistry in high school, but what I didn't understand is that a chemistry major in college is a chemistry major who is for majors who want to do chemistry, not people who necessarily want to go into medical school. Because let me tell you, everything outside of what I learned in high school in terms of chemistry really wasn't anything that I was very interested in, Hmm. but I didn't know that. Um, So
0: it was very theoretical, but not practical for you.
1: Right. Very theoretical, not practical. You know, it was like I was studying to be like a chemical engineer, which I had no interest in engineering whatsoever. So this pile of mess. So for me, that was the hardest part was navigating, you know, getting out of college because, you know, when you're not interested in what you're majoring in. One, you're going to tend to do badly. Um, two, you're going to avoid your major, which is what I ended up doing. I ended up avoiding chemistry classes, um, and you know, frankly, it just it just made for a really bad academic experience. So that that was a challenge.
0: Okay, now what about applying to medical school? You
1: know, um,
0: there's a lot of people talk about hurdles of how expensive it is, taking the MCAT, mm-hmm. um, going on interviews, like. Wasn't that hard? Like, there wasn't anything hard about the actual process of applying to school? Can you talk to that?
1: So, I didn't find that process hard more than I found it challenging, which I think is... I hate you. No, I think it's two different things. I think it's two different things. For me, hard... So, when I say hard, the difference between how I felt and how I reacted to trying to get out of college is much different than, you know, how I reacted you know, when I was applying to medical school or even when I failed the MCAT or not failed, but bombed it, I should say. And that part was challenging, but it it was more exciting because I felt like I felt like I had more control. I actually felt like I had more control because I knew whether or not I was a good candidate, you know, by that time, by the time I applied to medical school. And I had told myself I will not apply to medical school until I feel that I am the best candidate that I can be. And that's what I ended up doing. So even when I bombed the MCAT, I knew I was going to bomb it. um, But that just gave me fuel to be like, all right, well, you know, now you know what you need to do in order to do better next time.
0: Okay. Did you doubt you would make it into medical school? Nope, never. Really?
1: Nope. I never doubted I would make it into medical. First of all, let me tell you something.
0: Because weren't you at point, because there's a concept of, well, if I can't understand chemistry, is that going to... Is that going to affect my performance in med school? Is that like a precursor? Is that a predeterminate to, ooh, if I can't do it now in college, am I going to struggle in med school? You never had any of those thoughts in no, your mind? No,
1: I never had any of those
0: thoughts. Because that's what they always say, right? Because they want you to do orgo. They yeah. want you to do organic one, organic yeah. two. And if you can't get through that, then how are you going to get through med school, right?
1: Right, which is what my, my pre-med advisor tried to you know put in my head because- you know, my first semester when I fr- fr- basically failed chemistry, um, she she basically told me go to graduate school and do something else. And I just thought, the hell is she talking about? Like I really, you know, I was distraught by her, you know, by her conclusion, but I didn't doubt myself, right? And so that's why that day I ended up calling my parents very, very upset at what she said to me. And the reason that I called them was more to say, can you believe she said this to me? More than, I don't know what I'm gonna do, whatever. Now my parents didn't quite know what to do either. Um, so they just told me to keep going. And I was like, all right, I'll just keep going. I figure out how to do it by myself, which <laughs> through trial and error, I ended up finding out. But the reality is, I never doubted that I would get into medical school. I just thought, I'll just do it by myself. Now, maybe that was naive, maybe that was cocky, I don't know, but I just—I never had that thought that I would not make it. I just didn't know how and when it would happen.
0: No matter where you are in your career, you've seen patients your age or younger get seriously injured have a long-term illness, or even have a mental health issue that affects their ability to work. Now, what if that was you? No, for real, what if that was you? Without disability insurance, how are you gonna replace your paycheck? In episode 176, Jamie Fleissner of Cephalife Insurance explains why the best time to buy disability insurance is during your residency.
2: Most people, most physicians acquire their disability policies during residency, and there's several reasons. First of all, when you're younger, you're able to obtain the insurance because they ask you a whole host of medical history. And so you usually don't get healthier over time, usually you get less healthy over time. So when you're healthy, it's easier to acquire the coverage. Number two, it's also less expensive because it's based on your age and your health. You're not getting younger or healthier over time. So you're at the ideal time, the earlier you get it and the younger you are, the less expensive it's going to be.
0: So whether you're a resident or you're an attending, It's never too late to protect your income. Renee and I, we use Set for Life Insurance to find a disability policy that fit our needs and budget. So what are you waiting for? Check out setforlifeinsurance.com. Once again, that's setforlifeinsurance.com. So quickly, can you tell people your path? So once you got through college, Mm -hmm. how long did it take you between college and what happened in between college and getting into medical school?
1: So first off, I spent five years in college because I ended up changing my major, like my, ugh, what should have been my fourth year of college, I ended up changing my major from chemistry to biology. So that, ad- that added on an extra year. So that's number one. Um, then when I graduated, I started actually taking, well, the first thing I did was actually, no, I went and I got a job at a food lab and I was doing, um, I was doing microbiology testing. So, you know, all those recalls on the lettuce and the shrimp and all kind of stuff. Oh, so you that was, was, you me. was
0: messing up and then all that stuff get through.
1: No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I wasn't messing up, but, um, yeah, so I would catch things like that at a lab. Um, and then... That that was in the summer. And then I decided that I was going to go back to school for a post-bac. And so I started looking into actually a community college not far from my house. And my sister, um, she was like, "Eh, you know, you went to a four year college. Are you sure you want to go and do post-bac at a two year college? And I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought of that. So I, I thought, you know what, she might be right. And I listened to her, and I ended up going to Hunter College, CUNY. That's in New York. In New York City. This your pillow. This is a soft one. I don't want that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll change
0: it after the video. Whatever.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> So yeah, so I ended up going to Hunter College. Um, and so they do have a post-bac program, an official post program, but I wasn't really eligible for that because I was already a science major. So I was like, well, let me just DIY it. And so what I did was I ended up going to the pre-med advisor and just letting him know, hey, you know, I, I'm not eligible for this postback program, but I am taking post back classes and I'd like to just be involved with the um, process, you know, with the with the office, um, the pre-med office. And he was like, all right. Um, He and I didn't necessarily see eye to eye on the classes that I should take, Um, like an anatomy and physiology class. He was like, "Ah, I don't really need to take that. That's for nursing students, blah, blah, blah. It was really the only thing that we didn't see eye to eye on. But um, I ended up taking the class anyway because I felt like I needed to know more about anatomy and stuff. But um, I retook some classes that I had failed in college or not done well in. Like um, I retook physics. Because um, I had gotten a D in physics. Um, and then something else. Oh, biochem. That was the other one. Retook biochem. Um, I took molecular biology for the, for the first time, which was really like biochem, re, you know, disguised. But, um, but yeah, so I did that um, for two years. And in those two years, I worked for a nonprofit organization that serviced older people in Manhattan. And then I tutored. I tutored high school um, to get people ready for the regents, for the math regents. And then from that job, from that tutoring job, I ended up getting hired as a science teacher at a New York City public school.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, what is, let's pivot again. What's the biggest myth the public has about OB and OB-GYNs? Is it OB-GYNs or OB-GYNs?
1: You can say however you want. People say obi gyn People say Obi jin People say OB guyny. Is that the biggest myth? So, <laughs> so people say obs guy. They say that. They say that overseas, Obs and Overseas, obs and Yeah. Um, the biggest myth. Oh my God, I think the biggest myth is that all OBs are pro uh, choice. Ooh. I think that's. I think anyway that that's the biggest myth that all OBs are pro-choice because we're very women women's health oriented. Um, I think that might be one of the biggest myths um, that oh wait what do you mean your you know your obstetrician gynecologist um, you know is against abortion not not even like doesn't perform right because performing is a specific skill and you actually have to be skilled in, performing, abor- in a- performing abortions, but I think that it might be a myth that um, you know, obstetricians and gynecologists are all pro-choice because they are not all pro-choice. Got gotcha. you. That's my thought. I don't know. If somebody else has a, another one out there, I'm sure there are others out there, other myths.
0: Okay, very interesting. Okay. What is your least favorite part of your
1: job? Ugh. Well, paperwork for one. I think that's the least part of everybody's job. Um, but if I had to pick a really, really, really thing, you know, big thing that I hate about my job, it would be when we when we have bad outcomes, like, you know, when a baby unfortunately passes, um, things like that. Um, thankfully, I've never, knock on wood, had a mom pass. I've seen a mom pass before, but she wasn't somebody who was under our care, um, but that, that's probably the, the worst part of my job. So would, would you say it's too.
0: a high stakes type thing? Because, I mean, it's a, you know, I think when people think about high stakes, they think about cardiology, they think about neurosurgery, they think about trauma surgery. Is OB one of those, it's a high stakes type game and stuff? It's high pressure?
1: <laughs> so, yes, very much so. But you know what's really funny is that pregnancy oftentimes is seen as this social Event, right? It's very social, and of course, there is a social aspect of pregnancy in that you're going to be adding a new family member, you know, and that's great, but you know pregnancy is a very um, unpredictable at times. it's a very unpredictable condition to be in. Um, so you know, I always say, like, you know everybody's low risk until they high risk, you know <laughs> everybody's low risk until they're high risk and that's the key is knowing you know the difference between who is low risk and high risk um, as it is happening and sometimes it doesn't happen you don't end up turning high risk from low risk until you're actually going to deliver so you know a lot of times you'll see patients oh there's nothing wrong with my pregnancy it's like yeah there might not have been anything wrong with your pregnancy but that doesn't guarantee that that's not going to end up in a high-risk delivery those are two totally different things and i think sometimes you know people the public in particular they they don't understand that there is such thing as being low risk until you're high risk so well how
0: about we finish this up Mm -hmm. right last but not least what's it like being married to a surgeon
1: oh lord What's it like I being married? I think you married... missed
0: the spot right there. There's okay, a little wrinkle there was... right there. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, fix, that, fix um,
1: that. What's it like being married to a surgeon? Hmm. Well, so first of all, I think I've put out there already that I never even wanted to marry a doctor as I was thinking about what my future was going to be. Um, so um, I have to say it is pleasantly Different. Okay, from now what I for thought. the
0: sake of the video, like why are you putting up these pillows? Because you never well, put up these pillows. First of
1: all, sometimes I do put up the pillows, number one. Number two, you still asking me questions and I gotta finish. I gotta do something. I can not just stand here like an idiot. Put
0: on these accent pillows that you <laughs> but never... then why I
1: got the pillows if I never used them to use them That's
0: why I've asked you before when you first bought these. We don't need these. Answer the question. But I what's use it like them. being married to a surgeon?
1: Anyway, right now it's really annoying. Um <laughs> <laughs>
0: She's serious, you
1: <laughs> So, what's it like being... I don't even know how to put these pillows. I so much don't believe. <laughs> like, prove right there. You don't put them up there. Anyway, um, it's actually pleasantly... Guys, did she
0: do it right? Do we, we have symmetry here?
1: <laughs> no, not at all. All right,
0: we are going off track. Uh, <laughs> Please finish this question. Oh, you're
1: supposed to do this too? Like something like this? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um... So yeah, I was saying that it is pleasantly different than what I thought it was going to be. So my fear was that if I married another doctor that I would be so busy and he would be so busy that we would not see each other. Um, but I have to say the surgeon that I am married to is married to is very different in terms of his approach to his career, uh, which has made things a lot easier. I think if I were with someone who was like, "No, absolutely. I just want to, you know work in the office, work my butt off and, you know, every single day, grind, 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 do you know, put in 16-hour days every single day, I think it would be a lot a lot more contentious. Um, I think it would be a lot more contentious. Um, I don't know that. I don't know that that would be the type of relationship that I would want, or at least I don't think that that would be the schedule that I would want for my relationship. So it's been, it's been good. Now, personality wise, call me. I'll let you know everything. Cause these surgeons out here, they just be, (laughs) let me tell you. Okay. These surgeons, like the personality doesn't change just because the scheduling changes. Talking about, oh, I could do everything. I could treat everything. I don't know why orthopedics don't want to change, don't want to replace I, their potassium. But I can. And that, that that.
0: But we can, but as can you deliver
1: a baby. But can you
0: deliver a baby? If we can, need to, we can, yes.
1: Well, if anybody needs to, they can. <laughs> the, the <laughs> but that's the whole driver, point. The cab driver deliver a baby, me. I can do Uber When did also. you, went? okay, you know what? I'm not talking to you anymore. Is this over?
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Tell them, tell, them tell them about the show. Tell them how they can keep in contact with you afterwards. What's
1: up? So this is Docs Outside the Box, guys. I'm Dr. Renee. This is Dr. Nee. Listen, we are here uh, every week. Tune in uh, for our little banter and antics, uh, talking about medicine, money, pop culture. Um, yeah, anywhere you can listen to podcasts and on YouTube. And we got a lot of stuff on Instagram, too, that we do. So if you want to... Follow us, follow us
0: there. All right, y'all. Stay tuned for questions from a trauma surgeon. But let us know what you think about this. The links to the podcast, the links to everything is in the show notes below. Um, But once again, y'all, we want to try something different. We'll check you guys out on the next episode. (laughs) Peace, (laughs) y'all.